Come on in. Come on. <laughs> Come on. In. Welcome, welcome. The slow road to better. Why do we do the slow road to better? Well, we've been lucky where we can talk about it to our our friends, people here at the Stroke Comeback Center, but now then we can tell more people across the world to learn about it. What is the it that we're talking about? Aphasia. Stroke yeah. survivors. TBI people. Life moves on. Inspiration. Help listeners. That our inspiration of a bridge of hope. I love it. Trying to help each other a lifeline. Part of it also is we started doing it. It's not because we just wanted to tell everyone to see what happened to us. But also we wanted to get better talking ourselves oh, with the phaser. Sure. And we wanted to, one day, it's not going to, the phaser's not leaving it, but we'd like to crush it a little bit. Let's listen in. Listen in. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. Hello. Hello. Um, for our listeners, you might notice that we have a lot more voices today than we usually have on the Slow Road to Better. And we have a very special group of folks today with us. Each one of our members asked a friend to join them on the podcast today so that we could talk about the impact of aphasia, stroke, injuries, sort of the whole shebang on friendship and what that means to the survivors, but also what it means to the friend. What is it like from that perspective? And a lot of times people are kind of uncomfortable talking about hard things. So as usual here on the Slow Road to Better, we're going to tackle a hard topic with, I'm sure, some fun and some honesty and some laughter. So tackle it, tackle it. We're going to tackle it. So the first thing we're going to do is some introductions, and I don't care where we start. Okay, I'm Kitty, and this is Stephanie, and she is my friend. Stephanie, hi, Stephanie. Hey, everyone. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on this. Um, It means a lot to me to be included in it, so thank you so much. Yay! (laughs) Stephanie is my, was my coworker, but now she is my best friend. Oh, yeah, and she has a baby, Elliot. Elliot is so cute. <laughs> I said, Elliot, you are so chubby, but I said, You are so fluffy, you are so fluffy. <laughs> What's a chonker? <laughs> he's thinning out now that he's running around, though. <laughs> Congratulations, that's awesome. Thank you. All right, where should we go next? Who should we go to? Okay, my friend is Chantel. Chantel. Say hi, Chantel. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I am her son's godmother, Blake, and he is eight. And then she's my um, daughter's godmom. And um, she is my best friend. And I thank you. Um, you know, why, why don't you 
take it from here. <laughs> yeah, I will. So Aaron is actually being uh, very modest. Aaron has like 18 best friends. We're like the commission. <laughs> so if you know Aaron, you know that everyone loves Aaron. And we met actually at a program. It was a work abroad program in London after college. Oh, nice. And so we were like instant friends. Uh, it's a whole group of us that all still hang to this day. We're like sisters um, and we all had an amazing time in London and that just carried over, um, you know, into our lives uh, back stateside. Uh, we had so much fun, a lot of things that probably, let's just say we can't, none of us can run for public office uh, ever <laughs> because of how much fun we had in London. If that was to ever resurface, I just thank God that we're old enough that all of that stuff happened before um, Twitter and Instagram because we'd be in trouble. Um, but I love Erin to death and I am so, 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 so happy to be here. And I was very honored that she asked me to participate. So I'm excited. Yay. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I'm Pat, and my friend here is uh, Rob Scalise, and uh, I've known Rob for about 45 years. Oh, my God. 45 yeah. years. Yeah. We, there was like a uh, – yeah. our where we grew up was a uh, – there's a uh, – the road was like a mile long, and it ended, and you just get out, and the, all these kids growing up, uh, we just were out there having fun all the time. We never were inside. And uh, I just talked with uh, Rob once in a while, all the time, ever since this, ever since then. So he's just a fun guy, you know. He's he pretends like nothing's going on, but we know, we know. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Pat. Yeah, Rob Scalise. Uh, Pat's been my friend since we were about five, uh, and that puts us right around forty-five years. Wow. Uh, but yeah, we we lived at the end of a, a long dead end street, and there was about eight or ten of us that all got together frequently, uh, if not daily, uh, especially in summers. And yeah, we we hung out and we did a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> there were yeah some questionable uh, uh, choices, but uh, but yeah, we had a lot of fun. And then uh, yeah, I even remember uh, talking to Pat about the military when he was coming out of college and wondering what to do. So. Uh, we have, we have that background as well, but yeah, happy to be here. Thanks so much for being here. We're happy to have you. So my friend is Karen. And hey, Karen. Hi. Yeah. Um, we know each other many years. I forgot how many years. Yeah. And Karen is a good friend. Yeah, I met Tanya. We were co-workers. We worked together at the German embassy in Washington, D.C., where Tanya worked for many years and did a really great job in the press office there. And we both have a background in journalism. When we were younger, we both worked for newspapers. But I met her when we worked. Gosh, I've known you since at least 2006, Tanya. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> and I, I had feel lived old. Yeah. And we have a connection because we each had one German parent. So I have right, a right. German dad who's now 85 and I'm his kind of his caretaker right now. And Tanya's <laughs> late mother was from Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so we we had a lot of fun working together. We were both web editors working on the website at the embassy. Yeah. And I'm kind of one of Tanya's 
core group of best friends too. Right. She's got a great support network. Uh, Chantel was saying she's one of Aaron's 18 best friends. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'd like to think I'm one of Tanya's five or 10 yeah. best friends. Yeah, she's yes, got you are. <laughs> great network. She's got a great network, support network. And we're all so proud of Tanya's achievements. Um, you know, how, how far she's come, how well she speaks now. Thank you. So I'm happy to be here too and meet everybody. So that's actually a nice segue because um, we're hoping to talk a little bit about what was friendship like initially right after the stroke or injury versus where you are now. But like I said, I'm not really in charge of this interview. So good luck to you all. I am going to <laughs> turn it over now to the members. And who has our first question? What was, what was it like after my stroke? The, um, um, the week after, uh, two weeks after? Yeah, it was, it was strange because uh, we were so grateful that Tanya woke up and... Um, well, there was a day we didn't know what was happening. A whole bunch of us were in the hospital. We were all really concerned. Uh, brother was there. And then, then she was like getting up the next day. But then her speech was one syllable. And Tanya's <laughs> left, asked me, what did I sound like? And she, she, she just kept saying, I, it sounded kind of European. She was like, I, 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 one <laughs> syllable. But we were sort of like, we know what she's saying, but she's using one syllable. <laughs> but because those of us who knew Tanya, that's where the friendship comes in. As Melissa said, like Tanya has these really expressive, big, beautiful brown eyes and she's just an expressive person. So we kind of knew, OK, she's expressing I need to get up now. I need to do this now. But it, it was a learning curve for me and other friends because I'm like, oh, I'll bring her some magazines. And I didn't realize, wait a minute, she can't read the words. Yeah. Um, then another f best friend, Linnea, sat with Tanya and read some gossip magazines with you to entertain you. Yeah. And yeah, and you were in the hospital for a week and then in the rehab center for a week. And I kept you there longer. And if this was like in Germany with their, you know, more social medicine system, would you have been there like three months? But Tanya's yeah. like, but then later Tanya said, no, I didn't like that place. I wanted to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> And then luckily Tanya was staying with family in Virginia with your brother and we went to see you there. But yeah, um, it was strange that you were just saying one syllable. Yeah. But then very quickly you started to say no and other words. And um, I think you mixed up directions sometimes. I don't know if that's common. Or another friend was driving you and you said yeah. left when you meant right or. Right. I have trouble with the direction before my stroke. <laughs> yeah don't don't get human directions <laughs> yeah but we kind of a lot of close friends were like we kind of would figure out what you were trying to express through your eyes and your gestures your expressions i don't know if other people have that experience stephanie how about what this what what did i sound like so the way i found out i actually just landed from a trip up to Memphis and our other best friend Katie gave me a call and was like so this happened I remember sitting in Reagan oh and like oh my god what just happened um and at that time we didn't have a good way to get a hold of you mm. um 
our work was very good at keeping your privacy, which made it really hard to get to you um, those first couple of months. So yeah. unfortunately, it took a while for us to actually even be able to come see you. But when I did get to come see you, you were up and walking and kicking everyone's butt and connect four. Um, <laughs> you did. It, it was so jarring at first, um, honestly, because what was it, two weeks before the accident, you were up on stage giving giant presentations about our um, hotel program. You were rocking it. Kitty never shuts up. Uh, <laughs> how she makes all of her friends. So uh, it was weird at first because you were so quiet. You would think so hard about what you were trying to say. And it was different, but it was still you. We could figure out what you were saying. And then over time, you develop more and more. Um, at first, it was mostly text messages. Yeah. Remember that. that was how you talked to us. Uh, you would sit next to us and type in words and show it to us. Because again, you're very good on communication. So you were not going to let anything hold <laughs> yeah. um, from telling us everything. Um, you were really good with names. That was your first thing you got good at you can say everyone's names very quickly after. Mm. Um, so, which just, again, shows what type of person you are about how much you care about everyone around you. Every time we'd see you, first thing you would ask is, tell me about all these people. And you were checking in on everyone else instead of about yourself, which, again, was great. And now you can talk circles around most of us. <laughs> yeah. That now. Um, and I loved your kiddieisms where, you uh, a couple of weeks ago, months ago, I guess now you were we were talking at a bar and you were like, yeah, Elliot's like three now, and like, oh, no, he's not even two yet. <laughs> yeah. so, numbers love that or my fluffy baby. Yeah. <laughs> so you made such great progress so quickly. Mm-hmm. Chantel, how was um the first time that you? Uh, talk to me. I think it was um, my birthday when I had a Zoom call. Yeah. So, well, well, individually, yeah. But so I have to say that um, Aaron's stroke occurred during the pandemic, which just made communication and, you know, being able to see her even more challenging because uh, I live in a different state. So, um, you know, it, it was some time had passed. And I just remember thinking when she addressed us, like we had like this collective meeting for Erin to kind of give the update on where she was, you know, and, and how she was healing and progressing. And the first thing I said was Erin told us what not to do and what she didn't want. And I was like, oh, Erin's back. Like, it, like in my mind, I was like, she's telling us to stop all this crying and being sad. And she was like, I'm going to be better. I'm going to leave here by this day and like, stop being sad. And so we were just like, oh, okay. Like in my mind, I was like, yep, that that's Erin. Like, that's all I needed to see was her telling people like, this is not what we're doing. We're not going to be upset here. And don't come to me with with tears and and, and sadness. So I was yeah, like, oh, okay. I I said parents back. <laughs> I said um, with my birthday um message, yeah. I said, what did I say? We're not going to cry. We're not doing tears. Yeah, we we're not doing <laughs> tears at all. I hate tears. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, Aaron had like a complete commission. So of course, um, there were like weekly Zooms. I don't even think that she was aware of any of this stuff until like recently, but like we all would be on Zoom calls, getting progress updates. And because we literally have someone in our group of people who does like every single job under the sun, we actually have a neurosurgeon like in our group. Wow. So she could help us make sense of like, okay, the doctor said this, like, what does that mean? And so I'm a, a marketer and um, a, a salesperson by nature. So like, I'm going through all of these things, like give me all of the scenarios and we need to know like, okay, worst case scenario looks like this. Mid case scenario looks like this you know, best case scenario looks like this. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, Aaron is only going to want to hear best case scenario. So let's put everything else like to the back burner. So that's kind of the approach that we had like as a friend group. And we tried to do as much as we could uh, virtually and from afar. And she also had a, a newborn baby. So there's kind of two people that we had take into consideration. We had Adenike who, you know, we organized as much as we could with sending um, it, you know, a list and setting up a care chart and just, you know, getting, rallying all the troops to make sure that all the I's were dotted, all the T's were crossed and everything that they needed immediately in that moment was taken care of. Awesome. After my injury, I was so, uh, I was so sad. I am still sad, but before, uh, after my injury, I was so sad. I said to myself, what is happening? I, I just not talking, I was silent. What is happening? And my friends, my best, best friend uh, talked to me a uh, question, but I didn't say that, uh, uh, okay, I'm blah, blah, blah. I just didn't talk, what is happening right now? And I was so sad, you know. I um. I'm the kind of the opposite because I don't remember anything. There's about two months that I don't remember at all. So I don't, I don't know if Rob, <laughs> when the first time he heard that I got hurt or whatever. So do you, yeah, do you I remember? Don't know if, I don't know, Pat, if you, if you knew, uh, your brother Chris called me and I was uh, in the Navy at the time in, in some kind of training program. And I remember I was with the whole troop or group or whatever, and I was going upstairs and I got the phone call and I said, well, this is weird that your brother's calling me. That would be an odd one. And I knew you were in the Middle East. Uh, and he said, you know, Pat's been, Pat's been shot and it's pretty serious it's right in the head. And it's, it's real bad. And I remember Chris, your brother, and I just sat and cried for, I don't know, five minutes. It was a, it was an extended period. And then we didn't get to see you for months after medevacs and emergency surgeries. Um, you know how many surgeries you had. I, I can't, I couldn't count how many, but it was really interesting when we started seeing Pat and his really amazing, stunning progress. It was really, you said before Kitty was different, but still you, right? Well, this was exactly the same. Pat was different. Yeah. But it was still Pat and he <laughs> still had the same sense of humor. He was trying to crack jokes. It, it took longer to get out, but he made them and uh, <laughs> he knew exactly what he was trying to get at. And uh, yes, uh, and, and I think anyone around him was, you know, um, uplifted by the by his attitude and, and still is, I think. Uh, Pat was never sad. It was not sad. It was, just wasn't Pat. It wasn't him. Uh, so it's, uh, 
it's been an interesting run for sure uh, to his personality won almost over this kind of uh, adversity. And I think, Pat, you've talked a lot about Patty saying, when you go in to see him, you better keep it together. There will be no tears in front of Pat. All there is, is you're getting better. This is okay. We're going to keep plowing through. Yeah, that's what I don't, you know, I just don't remember. It was like two months. I don't remember anything, but well, I can I feel in in at least a little bit for you. We were all saying, you know, what a massive job this is. It's a full-time caregiver job to take care of Pat. But uh, let's talk about Patty for a second. The most amazing, loyal, and just wonderful wife and 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 Pat's friend and, and, and helper. I mean, really uh, flat out full-time caregiver. Uh, I'm just so impressed and amazed at all she's done for Pat, which really I think was, if not the reason, it was the main reason that Pat uh, saw that kind of progress that he had. Well, and I will pat all of you on the back um, because every survivor that has a team behind them of support it makes a humongous difference. Whether they're family or friends, people who uplift their spirits, who give them a kick in the rump when they need it, a person who's an advocate or who helps to navigate the mess of the system that is insurance and doctors and appointments and all of that mess when people can't they can't read and they're having trouble understanding and they can't drive and they can't navigate and they don't know which end is up to have people that they can rely on makes a humongous difference for survivors. So you all are heroes for what you did in maintaining your friendship. Um, but I want to circle back to Kitty saying that she was really sad as friends did you see changes maybe in mood or personality? How did that make you feel? And what did you do about it? Hmm. So I'll, I'll, I can start on that one. I know, Kitty, it, your sadness seemed to come and go in flows when we were with you. You were similar to everybody else. You didn't want us crying. You didn't want anyone. It was always positive. You were always like forward, down backwards. You were on your path. You knew what you were doing. And it would always be somewhere towards the middle or end of our get togethers where you would get sad. But at the beginning you would come in, you're like, let me show off everything I've accomplished. And then it, that was always step one. Step two is let's check in on everybody. Step three was you being kitty, telling your jokes, telling us all the latest gossip. Cause <laughs> yeah. you still had more gossip than all of us still working at the company. <laughs> and then around that end point of every hang out when we'd get to the end that would be where you would start to get sad but that started to fade as you made big leaps and bounds and as things got better I want to give a shout out to Regina Regina's another one of our co-workers um who thank I'm thankful for her because of how much she stepped up for you and how great of that relationship you guys have but also she was a big support for Katie and I getting involved and being able to see you I don't think without Regina it would have been as easy to get back in touch with you because yeah. you lost your phone you didn't have the ability to get a hold of us on your own so she was a big advocate for you and she's a big part of making sure we all 
stayed in the loop because again, our company did a fantastic job of respecting your privacy. But that as a friend, that was a barrier because we wanted to be there with you. We wanted to be by your side. We wanted to see you and be there. Um, but again, it's great that they did. And I'm thankful for Regina for stepping out and helping us out as friends and knowing that you were our family. Because I don't know if everyone knows this, your actual family is not here in the States. So we were your family away from family before, still, during, through the whole thing, we're family still. So it really meant a lot to have Regina there. And I think that helped boost up your spirits. And she helped make sure all of us knew that it was no sadness. We were coming yeah. with a happy and that it was all positive. And at, at that time, I was in hospital, uh, five people, but no more, five people, <laughs> uh, Janice, my shimmer, uh, Regina, uh, Adora and uh, Alice, uh, Alice, Alice. That's it. Five yep. people. They didn't let any of the rest of us in, which is good. <laughs> undercover, but yeah, undercover. You know, we all wanted to be there to support you throughout it. Yeah, because uh, I I was so sad. Like I, uh, the the left side is gone, and my shun and my double vision just i i was so sad just not people you know not people mm -hmm. like a secret society <laughs> i didn't have to do this the shunt so i got lucky i'm gonna do everything else so yeah yeah, yeah. No. i mean it's um for all of us we um were just doing our thing and something happened you know yeah. and the world changed in an instant you know i dealt with this and all of you guys dealt with this the um in the beginning mm -hmm. yeah I think as a, a, a friend, um, you know, I don't know how much Aaron has has uh, shared, but just her family in general had just been through a lot in, you know, the, the past few years. And so I think as friends, we were all just concerned like Aaron is. Erin uh, and her mom are like the, you know, the bedrock of the family. And so, you know, not that you want it to happen to anyone. No one wants this to happen to anyone. We wouldn't, you know, wish it on on anyone. But it was like, man, did it have to be Aaron? Like with all that they've been through. And so when she wasn't, um, you know, showing that she was like really sad, you know, as a friend, I, I appreciate it. And I understood that sometimes you just have to, you know, look at the world through rose-colored glasses just to get through it because it's so much. But I think part of me was a little bit concerned because I'm like, at some point, you know, you have to get all of this out. And I want her to know that as, you know, your friend group, it's okay. Like you're going to have those moments and we should be kind of like your, you know, your soft place to land as friends to make sure that, um, you know, we're here to support you in that way. And you don't feel like you have to be strong for us. But at the same time, we understood that sometimes it wasn't even for us. It was just like, that's what you needed to do to 
get through the day um, and to face everything head on because not only for yourself, but you had a, you know, a baby girl to, you know, get back home to. So there would be moments where I think we all, you know, would get upset, but we could hear Aaron in our heads, like, you know, stop, stop being sad and let's just move forward with what we need to do to get through the task at hand. So you, Chantel, you called me each and still do call me each Saturday. <laughs> and um, when I could not, you know, say but one thing, you called me and you talked to me about what you were doing. Um, and I listened, you know, um, vo- video called me, you know, mm-hmm. because because I didn't want, I couldn't text because I didn't know what the, how to spell the words. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't want the video, no, no, no. I didn't want the phone call because I was so, um, it was so hard to understand me. Mm. So I um, video call um, because you could see me and know what I was saying or if I was starting to talk and and you wanted to slow down, you know. One of the things I hear um, from survivors is their friends stop showing up and they never really know why. Is it because seeing their friends struggle makes them too uncomfortable? Is watching someone who's your own age have a stroke or a serious injury, is that so jarring that that's hard to face that that could be that could be your future is it that communication is so hard that you feel awkward or uncomfortable you're afraid of saying the wrong thing so obviously all of you still show up you're still great friends so i'm wondering if any of you can speak to having uncomfortable feelings and how you dealt with that So I'll speak as a friend um, quickly. So I think one emotion that I wasn't expecting to feel, because of course we had, um, you know, immense gratitude that she made it. But I think selfishly, sometimes you feel still a mourning of, even though this person survived, they made it, they're still here. You feel a mourning of like, what the relationship once was because the dynamic shifts, right? And so it would be times where something great or something really bad would happen. And the first person you want to call is Aaron. And you're like, oh, with that person, uh, especially in the beginning when she was still like in the facility and we couldn't talk all the time, it's like, oh, that person's not here. And so you feel selfish because they're like, well, they're going through something way worse, but you still feel like a loss. And I think for some people, you that motivates like the opposite action. Like for me, it just motivated me to show up more and be around more. But for some people, I can see them kind, you know, why they would want to retreat because you don't know how to confront that. You you it's weird to say that you're mourning a person that's still physically here, mm. but they're not. Mm-mm. It's hard for myself and some of 
Tanya's other core group of friends when um, she transitioned back from staying with her brother in Virginia, who was really her primary caretaker right after the stroke. And we all could be there for her as friends, which was great because we knew her brother and he still calls her every day, I think, doesn't he, Tanya? Yeah, yes. She's got the best big brother in the world. Super uh -huh. nice, super smart guy and um, and two great nephews and her sister-in-law and they're, they're great uh, immediate support network. And, um, but when Tanya, she really wanted to get back to her own place, her own home in Silver Spring and we were all scrambling to like, who's gonna take care of her pets. And, you know, we were all getting pet food. And then those were probably the early weeks or months where, you know, we brought food, like I brought over lasagna. Yeah. And then I felt sort of like, which, and then I thought, this is so ridiculous. I'm like, did Tanya notice I brought lasagna? Because she wasn't feeling well because yeah. she had to retire to her room. And another good friend said she needs to rest. And then you feel kind of helpless as a friend, like, because you don't really know, you know, like she has this thing. We're just learning. It's called aphasia. She's speaking in one syllable, but she woke up right afterwards and we're so happy. And it was the same thing. Like Tanya was such an inspiration to all of us because she just, you know, just uh, made such great strides and was so happy to go to the Stroke Comeback Center and was always talking so positively about her experiences. And she's been doing all kinds of volunteer work and but I think in those initial weeks, it was hard because you feel kind of helpless as a friend who wants to help when you're, you know, just was feeling exhausted and not well. Yeah. And like, how much sensation have you lost on your right side? And her brother was worried she's putting in a cup of tea in the microwave and just touching it with her right hand and she's going to burn her hand. And it's just like readjusting to a new normal, a new reality. But then Tanya was so determined to just, um, you know, to the previous question, I feel more like we're inspired by Tanya as her friends. Like every time I feel sorry for myself, I'm like, wait a oh minute. I mean, Tanya is like <laughs> just enjoying her life to the best of her ability and, and making the most of it. And I have no reason to, <laughs> but so I didn't really feel like, oh my gosh, this could be me. Of course, we all think that sometimes like anything can happen to any of us. I mean, I can't imagine what Pat has been through. I cannot imagine being, you know, deployed somewhere and being injured and shot. I mean, and put yourself in the position of someone else that way. But I think that Tanya is also to us the same person. She just had to learn to speak again and made great strides and just drove us to uh, wineries in Virginia for her birthday. But <laughs> Tanya, like Erin, had also been through loss. She had just lost her mother just before her stroke. Yeah. I lost my mother in 2020. She lost her mother in 2018. So I feel like Tanya has been just as good a friend to me being there for me when I lost my mother. And uh, yeah, I feel like she's the same person. I remember when uh, it was in 2008 and I went to a place called Cascalina. It's like an hour from LA. And uh, Rob was... Uh, he was uh, working in uh, the Navy in uh, San Diego. Yeah. yeah. So he came over a couple of times to come see in the, the weekend and stuff. And one time my, uh, my other friend, Affy, he, he was in town and uh, it was really cool. The place we had like a house that you could stay in. It was really cool. And uh, like they had a really good restaurant. You go for uh, Mexican food and everything. And we'd be there and I'd be like, 
hey, well, I'm going to have a beer with you guys. And they'd be like, no, Pat, you can't have beer anymore. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, the same but different. He was the same guy but different. That's right. Uh, I uh, After uh, between my hospital, Regina said, you have a facial. I have a facial. Is it brain tumor? Like brain tumor and Regina said, no, aphasia is loss of language. What my my loss of language? Is it the um is it the tumor or is it the magic? Like what is it? You know? I I have heard aphasia before my stroke. So no. it was new to me. Yeah. You and the rest of the world, Tanya. Yep. One of the things we um, we talked about in a previous podcast was the survivors were all saying they feel like they're far more honest and blunt now yeah. <laughs> than they used to be. And we decided it was because of the aphasia and it's just too hard to wordsmith something. Yep. So the question, I noticed that none of them want to ask any of these hard questions. So I guess I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so the question they had was, I wonder if I hurt my friend's feelings because they, they asked me a question and I, in my head, I know I should answer it one way, but I really have trouble finding all the words. It takes too long. It's too hard. So I just say what I'm thinking, but then sometimes it really comes out kind of blunt. So um, friends, anybody have any anything they'd like to share on that topic? <laughs> I would say Kitty definitely has become more blunt, but she does it in a way where she makes it funny in the way she says it. Like, <laughs> it's like you realize what you're saying is about to be blunt, and then you kind of do, you say it differently. So it's comes off that you know it that so and you always find still you still find words to make it nicer but it's definitely more blunt than you were before you were always really good at forming your sentences to be nice yeah yeah like I said do you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, you're definitely more blunt but you you perform it in a way that we know that you're not meaning to be mean <laughs> yeah so you haven't offended me so yeah. Not for Erin. <laughs> She's always been blunt. <laughs> we are very direct, so it's the same. No, no, no. <laughs> no different in your style of communication. Okay. It may take you longer to say it, but what you say is exactly the same. Erin, <laughs> oh. you look surprised by the fact that your friends think you're blunt. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I am. I not in a mean way, but we're no, no, very no. I, <laughs> I, um, I. What is it? Before the stroke, I sugar coated it. <laughs> you know, I said what I meant, but okay. I sugar coated yes. okay. it. 
So the difference well, is that we have been friends for going on 20 years. So she might say the right words, but Erin, your face would say what you meant to oh, say. Oh, yes. So yes. We both have the same that thing. Like our right. nonverbal communication is like, uh, okay. Like, you know what we mean, even if we say the right thing. So because I know you too well, oh, like yeah. we're going on 20 years. So even if you say the right thing, I know what you mean. And so maybe that's, that's. Oh. The reason why oh yeah i i can't um hide my face because if, yeah. yeah yeah so that's the part that you and i are both like we might just look at each other and be like ciao yeah we know the real <laughs> truth well nonverbal communication is always very helpful with people with aphasia all right any other thoughts on that all right here's another one i have gotten the feedback from others that sometimes when you go out into the world with people with aphasia, life can become embarrassing. Either a person with aphasia says the wrong thing or they get overwhelmed. Um, maybe their behavior is different. Maybe people in the, out in the community are treating your person differently or in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Do you have anything to say about that? I haven't noticed it that much. Do you feel that, Tanya? I don't feel like when uh, I meet Tanya, uh, just the two of us or with other friends and we've gone out to eat or we went to the movies together recently. We saw Top Gun, the new Top Gun. <laughs> um, and uh, Tanya really enjoyed it. So did I. It was fun to go to a movie again. And I don't think people kind of... Uh, treat you differently do they tanya like wait staff and restaurants sometimes it takes yeah. tanya a bit longer to say something like what she wants right. to order right um, usually pretty nice yeah i don't notice that um uh, um when i when i go out i don't notice that and i don't care what people say about me <laughs> i don't care so yeah i don't i don't care in anymore so maybe that's I'm old so <laughs> at first um when I had my stroke I well would go out but limiting you know um because um I was embarrassed of the way I talk, you know, because I talk, I won in high school most talkative, so I can talk. And, um, you know, and um, when I couldn't talk, you know, I couldn't get out of my words, I was, you know, embarrassed. And uh, after my friends, I was tired because like a mm -hmm. three or four hour, I was so tired, yes. you know? Yes, I was too. <laughs> I remember when we first started going out, Kitty, is you would always tell me your order ahead of time because people would tend to look at me when it was time to order. So you would always tell it to me in case somebody did look at me. 
<laughs> always give me the checkbook, even though you tend to always fight me for it. So I always thought that was weird. It was like they were looking to me to care for you when you were able and capable of doing it yourself. Yeah. I don't know if that was embarrassing for you. I'm, I guess I wonder if that's the case. No, no, I, I, I am, I was going to the waiter to try to understand because I, I am able to try my, you know, uh, a menu. All right. So I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Crazy, right? This hour flew by. But the last question I want to ask our, our friends is if you have advice for a person out there who is experiencing aphasia for the first time, sort of from the friend perspective, what advice do you have for them? Be patient because your person's still there and they're going to come back out. You just have to give them time and space to be themselves. Yes, Stephanie. Yes. Good job. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, patience is the key, I think, uh, you know, for their recovery and, and, and yeah, do the best you can to be there, uh, you know, and I wish I was there even more, but. Yeah, I would say to meet them where they are and make sure that you, you know, help them and celebrate uh, kind of each step of their, their journey and their recovery. I would agree. I'd say be as supportive as you can, but don't treat them uh, with kid gloves either. Don't treat them that differently because they're on a journey of recovery um, and they're still the same person. They have just lost some speech functions that they're regaining, but they're not really any different. The brain is such an amazing thing. I mean, and another friend said, Tanya's brain is forming new connections and... Uh, <laughs> It's not like you are uh, really permanently brain damaged. Your brain is changing and you're regaining speech. Left brain is broken, but we are not dumb. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're not dumber. I'd say don't treat people like their IQ is less now. Yeah, yeah. they're not. That sounds like awesome insight and advice. And so with that, I want to just say a giant, giant, heartfelt thank you to our friends for being honest for showing up this morning but yeah. for for showing up for your people for all these years i think that's the message i hear all of you saying whether whether you say the right thing or not whether you do the right thing or not what's important is you show up so thank you thank you and with that we are going to wrap it up on this episode of slow road to our lawyers made us say this. Disclaimers. What about disclaimers? Your opinion, the group opinion is not valid. Well, it is, but it's valid, but I'm having a disclaimer so that we don't get in trouble. Yes. Doctors. Doctors. Who's doctor? There's um they they their doctor. Yes. All right. Yes. So if people hear something on this podcast, you should ask your doctor. Doctor. Amen.